Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This program was previously broadcast live on Love Sport Radio, so some items may be out of date. Phone-in elements of these shows are not available, but if you'd like to comment or give us feedback on our shows, you can tweet us at Love Sport Radio. For more podcasts or to listen live, visit lovesportradio.com. Alternatively, you can find this and other podcasts on iTunes or Spotify using the keyword lovesport. Good evening, you are listening to Love Sport Radio and me, Matt Beadle, with you through to 11pm this evening. Plenty coming up over the course of the next few hours on our Friday night fan show special. But right now, of course, it is the boys from Leeds, the Leeds United fan show. We've got plenty coming up for you. Of course, I'm here with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? How on earth are you, my friend? I'm all right. How yeah? Are you? yeah? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. I've just eaten a really nice chicken club sandwich, so I'm, oh, feeling, okay. I'm feeling quite pleased with myself. To not be just not just your cornflake clusters. No, I'm 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 going healthy this this episode. Okay, but they're in the studio, so we will be tucking in to those. Uh, we're going to be talking to Dave Featherston, Bristol City fan. Later on, we've got listener questions. We're going to be reflecting on that draw with Brentford as well. Delighted to say, I'm also joined in the studio by Nat Dufton. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. And how are you? Yeah, very good. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yes, I was going to say, we're all here, aren't we? All nice and chirpy. We're all leads, yeah. My, my, leads, my main mate. love in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't think of anything better to do on <laughs> Valentine's Day than sit in a room with you guys and talk about Patrick Bamford's finishing percentages. <laughs> his prowess, his <laughs> expected goals deficiency, I suppose you would say. Daniel Moroni, hello too. Great Hi, to yeah. have you on the show. Yeah, good to be here. Good, good. We're going to start with the opening stat, of course. John, mm. please. So I've got a stat from the Brentford game, um, because if you watch that game, you will know that they uh, Leeds pressed Brentford fairly relentlessly. Um, Brentford's highest passing completion percentage for their back four was only 64.7%. And between them, that's Brentford's back four, they lost possession 56 times during the game. Wow. Mm. That is a lot. It is a lot, yeah. So I was at the game on Tuesday... A few things to take from the game. First, I've you got weren't to that say, impressed with Leeds, were you? No, that's inaccurate. Really? Uh, yes. The texts that I got from you were no. Suge- but I knew you were going to try and hang me out to dry <laughs> on that. And when I sent the message, I thought, should I send this? Will this come back to bite me in the backside, gents? Now, it wasn't that I wasn't impressed with Leeds. I didn't think it was a great game of football. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was pretty poor. The first half, I thought, wasn't good whatsoever. And I think that's because my expectations were, from what I've seen from both teams this season, was that it was going to be a really decent, free-flowing game of football. Now, it wasn't that at all. Brentford were very, very poor, and they'd be the first to hold their hands up and say that they were very, very poor. From what it's all, for the first time that I've seen Leeds live this season, in terms of actually in the flesh, and we've spoken about this many times before, Leeds are very quintessentially Leeds. Right, And I've I've argued this before that Bielsa sometimes can't take it on to that next level. And I know I'll be, you know, batted back for that. But my issue in the game was that with all the possession, 
and all the passing that Leeds produced, gents, there were no real clear-cut chances. And this is where John sort of had a bit of a go at me and said, what game were you watching? But, yes, there was a chance with Costa that was tipped over by David Raya. There was the moment where Jack Harrison seemed to run from one end of the pitch to the other and should have uh, pulled off a better strike. But apart from that, I can't think of another chance that Leeds had bar the goal where they could have potentially scored. I think, there, I think there were two more. There was I was also at the game. Uh, I was in line with our goal in the second half. Um, and... Um, Costa had one where it broke through and he just he kicked it right at the keeper and it's any decent mm. finisher would have buried that. And there was a Bamford one where the ball came in and he jumped for it. And if he just stood with his if he just stood planted with his feet on the floor, he would have just like nodded it in, it would have been brilliant. Um but he jumped, he sort of did like a semi jump and it meant he just put it over the bar. Yeah, that was a kind of Bamford half chance, but for anyone mm. else, it's kind of... Yeah, you bury <laughs> it's it. It's good to do that, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I will say before the game, now I asked you before you came in about a specific chant. Now, there was a great moment, right? <laughs> People go, oh, God, this is good. This is what you took from the game. But Brentford, obviously, the players walk out to uh, Hey Jude, and that's the big thing. Na, 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 Brentford. That was going on, but that's Leeds... rubbish, isn't like, it? Let's be honest. Yeah, that yeah it's rubbish. so drone. It's one of those <laughs> so droney... Like, Liverpool, <laughs> yeah. Liverpool, Liverpool, <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the one song that you got horrendous and it did feel like that at Griffin Park I didn't think the atmosphere was great but from the Leeds travelling support of course it was absolutely brilliant but there was a moment where they were playing that music out constantly over the tunnel as they do to get the fans going but Leeds were singing the Leeds are going to the Premier League and it became a wonderful harmony of both of them it was absolutely brilliant not a cacophony <laughs> no not a cacophony no sadly not but a good moment that was at least the result gents let's get your your views and your opinions on the result. literally all you enjoyed? <laughs> Sorry? No, it wasn't, but that was a moment that I enjoyed. We're going to get onto the post-match presses as well afterwards. You won't be happy with what I've got to say about oh, that. No. But, yeah, the, the the result in general, happy, not happy? What do you think? Happy to stop the rot, really. Yeah. <laughs> get a point, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been going so badly lately. I think we were kind of, everyone was expecting kind of Brentford to kind of, maybe not turn us over, but certainly kind of get on the front foot. And I think we kind of, seem to stand up to it well and uh, yeah I'm I'm pretty happy with it to be honest yeah yeah I take it although we did dominate the game so I I, I would have I, I think we deserved to win it if we'd taken it their only chance was the one we gave them like they didn't have I think I mean like in the second half they didn't have a shot on target so yeah, I, two I, chances outside the box that yeah. was it yeah I, I definitely think we we, we could have it's another one of these games we could have won it but we didn't but I will very much take a point at Griffin Park we struggle there and have done forever hmm. yeah I thought it was a good result um, and it was just a it was a game where we felt as though we controlled it again and I think a lot of that was down to the, the fact that we had Calvin Phillips who is a great player um, but is also better than like Stuart Dallas and so you, you sort of have the, the swing from like having Stuart Dallas in midfield to having someone like Calvin Phillips is just massive uh, and it's just nice to feel as though the game is being controlled um, and we're only going to give up chances that, that are mistakes which is still happening but um, I think w- the, there was a period in our in our poor run where it just felt as though we weren't even controlling games so we, we lost our upside so it's quite nice to be feel as though we're maybe inching back into the driving seat Great to see uh, Calvin Phillips diag in the flesh, by the way. <laughs> How many did he want to do on Tuesday night? It was incredible. Yeah, he's like the young Wayne Rooney reborn, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, I think, look, there's there's going to be a lot of conversations about whether or not Calvin Phillips should be playing in in, in the England uh, setup anytime soon. What, what was your opinion of, of Phillips just seeing him live? Yeah, well, he was actually the player above anyone else really on the pitch that I was playing uh, paying close attention to because of all the chat around him and I was pleasantly surprised I thought it was very very good quite clearly I'm not going to say head and shoulders above everybody else on the pitch because he wasn't I think that's being too extravagant but he did have the ability you could always tell to go that level above and so comfortable on the ball a very good player I is he ready for Euro 2020? Is he ready to be called up to England yet? Ugh, I don't know. But I think I'm saying that with that horrendous Premier League specs that everybody seems to do. Because if you'd said that about Mason Mount last year, he well, had a couple of games in the Premier League and boom, he's in the England squad. Mm-hmm. So if it was the same for Calvin Phillips, I wouldn't surprise. Imagine if Leeds go up and Calvin Phillips plays like he is now for the first month of the Premier League, he will be a shoo-in for the England side. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And we've been saying that he's better than Declan Rice. Would you Would you agree with that? Um, I don't 
know if I'd agree with that. I really rate Declan Rice. Uh, I think he's got. I think he's having a difficult season because of the responsibility as a 19-year-old lad that's being put on his shoulders in the West Ham midfield at the moment. I think that his Michael Carrick-esque way of playing football, which is what it's been for the first couple of seasons that he's been at West Ham, is now slightly evolving and he's having to get involved in the game more, which I don't think is what his manager, what he perhaps would have wanted in his start to life as a West Ham midfielder. Is Calvin Phillips better than Declan Rice right now? No, but I don't think they're identical footballers yeah. as things stand. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that Declan Rice is a youngster playing in the Premier League and therefore deemed England ready and Calvin mm-hmm. Phillips is what whatever age he is, 23? 23, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and isn't considered England ready. I, I, I think that that's to England's debt. I don't follow England, but I think the setup that they have is, is poor, that it's so obviously a filter. that If you play in the Premier League, you're considered good enough to play for England. And if you don't, then you're not. And I, probably, I think it's probably to the detriment of... I mean, the, the Championship is the be- sixth best league in the world, mm. pretty much. And we treat, we treat it as though it's like the first best of the second divisions in, in the world. And that's just not true. There's a wealth of talent in there. And it's a shame that we don't get to see more of it on, on show. I think Calvin should definitely go to the Euros. I think, first of all, for us, it would be uh, fantastic to see a Leeds player back in the fold with England. But in in games, he can offer something that's a bit different to Declan Rice. And say, for example, we go out there and Declan Rice picks up a knock in the first game. All of a sudden, you don't have any specialist defensive midfielder in the England squad. Whereas to take Calvin with you and have him built in just to the squad, I think it would be yeah very beneficial. OK, moving on to Kiko Kasia. <laughs> Love that chant, by the way. A lot of time for that. Kiko Kasia. They go, they go on for ages as well. Yeah, I they? went they on for going. ages. Last season, I, I was at a game where it went on for about 15 minutes. I kid you not, solid. Really? Amazing, amazing uh, chant. Really it? good acoustics at Griffin Park as mm. well, so that one really stuck out. Uh, Daniel, Kiko Kasia, right in front of the Leeds fans, under the foot, mm. type in Rama, a tap in. It is another error. It is. Enkelman-esque, I believe. Mm. So where are we? I know that Marcelo Bielsa has come out and said, yep, he's definitely playing on Saturday. What's the fans' opinion now on Casilla? It's pretty split. Well, not split. It's pretty keen keen on getting him out of the team, I think. Um, Yeah? Yeah, and blooding Meslier before the inevitable kind of Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what's happening? No one knows. There's no communication. Yeah, but they'll probably he's probably in for a ban in the next. Well, we don't know. Well, they've announced <laughs> that they announced that the trial is being is taking place in the next few weeks. So yeah. we'll, we'll know sooner rather mm. than later. But I think the, with, with my position on the uh, my position on the um, Kiko Casilla um, thing is. I think people get carried away with this mistake um, because this is like this is like a he's never going to make that mistake in a Leeds shirt again. It's it's like a it's 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 a one in a career like mistake right where you just lose concentration, you let it under your foot and like and then slip. You, he could even perhaps have made a decent at- attempt at saving it had he not lost his footing. But like he's never going to do that again. He's never done it in his career before. It's, it doesn't represent some kind of like falling off a cliff in terms of his abilities um for the first 21 games of the season he was the best pretty much the best keeper according to the, most of the stats uh, in the last 10 games he's been the worst and that's the issue like what do you do in that scenario you've got a keeper who's been the best in the league now is the worst do you just drop him and move him on i think the only the only thing you could point to where he deserves to have been dropped is in terms of his um con- his, his conv- um, concession rate he is conceding way, way too many chances on target that's the issue the, him letting the ball under his foot isn't the issue um, so I'm, I'm kind of like I can see why Bielsa would keep him in I can see why that event in particular didn't wasn't enough to push Bielsa beyond because if he, Bielsa's happy playing him making those sorts of like he, for a six game period he conceded something like 76% of his shots on target which is wild like incredible to concede that amount and that's the issue that's why we're losing games because we're conceding way too many goals as the result of shots on target rather than like mistakes that have led to a, a shot on an, on an open goal so that's my my position I, I kind of think we're yeah, fine if we brought in Meslier that would be okay um, at this point but I also think he, he cares about the the psychology I think he thinks if you take off if you if he if he knows or has a good idea that um, Casilla is going to get a six game ban in the next two or three weeks he has uh, he has the option where he could just drop him straight out two games before he goes into that band and then and then have the player thinking oh I'm, I'm not good enough have confidence issues um and and then have Meslier come in and then have the issue at the end of that spell what, what do I do do I bring a, 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 a Kassir who's lost confidence or play play Meslier what if Meslier plays badly in that six games etc so I think what uh, Bielsa wants to do is keep him in as long as possible let get to this band and then we go from there and see what it is so you don't you don't want to 
make the Meslier games have any sort of like edge to them. You don't want them to have a narrative behind them where people are like, oh, if he's not good enough, then we're screwed because because both of our keepers are bad. So I think that Bielsa is saying this is a mistake, which is like a one in a career mistake. You're not going to do that again. I don't think we need to worry about that. For the rest of the game, he was fine. Yeah, he was comfortable with his feet too, I have to say. He was welcoming the ball to his feet despite all the jeers from the crowd. Sometimes you wonder whether it's worth to make an error like that in front of your own fans or the opposing fans because even though you'll get pelters from the opposing fans you kind of think my own fans are behind me mm-hmm. here they're just thinking oh god this is horrible no one knows what to say it must be a horrible Horrendous. experience it must be so you must be it must be the loneliest position in a, yeah. in a on a football pitch when when you do a mistake like that and you think oh i, I may have oh. joined in I was in the Brentford and I may have joined in with a couple, with a couple of just because out of pure frustration I was like yeah I'm just gonna <laughs> you were in the Brentford end I was I was I was spying did you manage to contain yourself when you equalised uh, I did yeah I was fine um, the four Norwegian blokes behind me didn't really <laughs> yeah it was I quite, quite quickly I was like oh yeah they're talking about Leeds oh, quite like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then they scored and I sort of turned around and I'm like yes there were quite a few filtered about as I sat next to uh, a certain Jermaine Beckford and he was certainly sort of fisting away underneath the uh, underneath seat with his excitement of course of Leeds United equalising speaking of equalisers Wayne Routledge has equalised for Swansea against Hull City Hull City took the lead through Leonardo De Silva but Wayne Routledge equalising in that championship clash Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport plenty more coming up for the fans, by the fans, Love Sport Radio. It's the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Peter, with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? Nat Dufton and Daniel Maroney joining us in the studio too. Bit of news, of course, that we have to bring you that has come to light over the past couple of hours, and that is that Manchester City have been banned from European club competition for the next two seasons after being found to have committed serious breaches of UEFA's club licensing and financial fair play regulations. They've also been fined €30 million, Euros, which, give or take a few million, I guess equates to somewhere between 23 and 25 million but massive news huge implications for the Premier League huge implications on who goes into the Champions League and the Europa League of course we don't know the exact intricacies behind what will happen with the fifth place and the eighth place in the Premier League but that is massive news to come out of the adjudicatory chamber of the club financial control body and City of course will be appealing and they've already released a statement pretty much condemning the decision they said they expected it but they have condemned it. Just, we won't dwell too much on this, gents, but as fans of a championship club and as fans of a club who were fined last season for uh, breaches, apparently, with Spygate, etc., etc., what do you make of this one? Um, I th- I'm, I'm well on board with the um, Sheffield United Barmy Army in Europe next season. Uh, mm. Overlapping oh, centre-halves <laughs> at the new Camp, I'm in. <laughs> um well, I think it, the, the rules are in place for a reason. You look at what's happened with Saracens this season in the rugby, in the Premiership, and uh, I think, yeah, the rules are there. If you're going to break them, then you should get caught and you should get fined. You look at the teams that have done it in the Championship and have faced the strong sort of financial pressures that come with that. Uh, I agree completely, yeah. If, the, if you break the rules, you should get done. Yeah, I think that's fair enough, although this still has to go to the Court of Arbitration mm-hmm. for Sport, so... Let's wait and see what happens there. Yeah, let's wait and see what happens. They do have previous and they managed to strike some sort of deal, didn't they, back in 2014 where they ended up being fined and not banned. So, yeah, you'd like to think maybe, well, maybe, maybe the powers that be at Leeds, uh, at Manchester City, sorry, might be able to overturn this one. But Daniel, just to finish on the Brentford game, um, in the presses afterwards, it was quite noticeable that Marcelo Bielsa quite clearly said that he thought Leeds played better against Forest than they did against Brentford yeah <laughs> I mean what are you making of this I can't agree with that this is where we <laughs> oh my fork gosh in the road <laughs> this is unbelievable this is groundbreaking a Leeds yeah. fan not agreeing with Bielsa yeah um, it's just not true is it <laughs> why has he said it I think he's a bit of a contrarian isn't he he's, he's trying to like you know prod people a bit and say like oh actually you know we, we are doing the right things in the games we're losing he's trying to make a point of that um, and then, yeah, he obviously thinks it's true on some level, but I, I just can't see it. It's categorically not true, right? No. Does it? That's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I've I've thought a little bit about this, and I I do agree with Daniel that that part of why he wants to say this is that he wants to say, look, 
we don't just view a game in terms of the result. We don't look at the Forest game and say, this is bad because we lost and the Brentford game is good because we drew. I think that that's, that's his, his framework for approaching games is, did we do enough in the game to um, win? Did we create better and um, more chances than the opposition? And if he, do, if he does that, and if Leeds go on to lose, I think he still considers it to be a good game. So it may simply be hyperbole in him basically emphasising that that was the case. There was plenty of chances where Leeds could have... Um, being Forest alone, <laughs> I don't know. Lewis Grabman's chance was pretty, pretty, oh, was pretty decent. Um, so they must, I haven't looked at the X, XG map for that, but they must have, they must have been pretty um, high up the. Uh, they must be pretty um, high up the the chance of uh, having won that game in terms of uh, the XG. Um, but I don't know. Again, it could it could come down to control. But again, I think we controlled the Brentford game uh, as well. So I think I'm going to accept Daniel's. Um, explanation that, that Bielsa is simply doing it to um, basically make a point about how he views football. Okay, another look as well at Jean-Kevin Augustin. He came on for Patrick Bamford. Watching Bamford as well was another interesting experience just to see how much he, how much work he does, how much ground he covers, how much he stretched that Brentford backline. And the game did significantly change when Augustin came on. By the way, his first involvement was his wild, wild old hack a ball. I think it was Jean Vier that he completely booted up in the air <laughs> accidentally, to be fair, but just trying desperately to get into the game. And as a side note, when you talk about big booties in football, you're talking like Brani uh, Ivanovic levels of big booty from Jean Kevin Augustin, by the way. That is, yeah. It's Ed- is, Eden Hazard level. Yes, it's yeah. Eden Hazard. Yeah. That's a big bit of equipment to put into <laughs> those shorts. But he came on, didn't do a hell of a lot. No, he didn't do too much. Uh, big booties. Uh, Vernon Nitri played for us. He had a quite a sizable rear from mem- from memory. He <laughs> um, didn't do loads, and actually, the Nats get- got his phone out with just pictures, pictures of, of Vernon Nitri. Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. There's a Twitter platform there, surely. <laughs> Footballers bums. Yeah, um, it's another award at the uh, <laughs> the end of year awards thing. <laughs> I actually thought we lost a lot of our attacking threat when Bamford went off. Um, I thought the link at play he did, and as I was mentioning, as we were just off. Uh, when we were attacking down the right in the second half, he was right in front of me, so I could see when he drifted out to the right, and I thought he played brilliantly. And it almost made me think if Bamford could almost slot into the team as a right winger, and you could put Augustine up front as the lone striker. All right, Tony Poulis, what is this? <laughs> Two strikers at one was a wide man. <laughs> nice wide target, man. Yeah. Um, Not the way you want to see Leeds United playing, John. I, I mean, I think that. I think that Patrick Bamford was brilliant against Brentford. Again, obviously, you always want to, you always have the narratives in the back of your mind, and you know that the fan base are just waiting for him to miss a decent chance because it confirms what you what you want to say. But I've been saying it all along: if he could finish, he'd be he'd be an excellent player. Um, I think that's we'll... part of the problem, though, isn't it? And this is what Dave Dave Anderson was saying last week on the show that he actually thinks it's more a case of just quality with Bamford. Yeah, no, it it, it certainly is. And look. We've talked a lot about the received wisdom in analytics about finishing as a skill, and it's just really hard because he seems to be the the exception that proves the rule. And um, it's getting to a point like for almost no one else, there seems to be this quality which is finishing pretty much. Like everyone seems to sort of roughly conform to their xG. But this season, Bamford just seems so far off it that you just got to think, well, maybe we do just push him out. But um, I think I think we'll continue with Bamford there, and I think it'll be fine and, and, until we get JK to a level of of a fitness where where you can just play him from the start but we we wait and see what happens but i'm disappointed that no one else seems to be taking up jk as the the name for jean kevin but there we go jean kevin <laughs> it's red van isn't it van oh, wine okay. wine that's fine jean it's, 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 it's big kev Big it's when I think Dallas said immediately yeah Big Kev I was like okay right I'm in with that that's brilliant <laughs> could be Chunky Kev Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> at the moment <laughs> you hadn't entirely finished your point Nat um, yeah so I, I thought he did look good but again quite raw to our system um, and he does offer something that Bamford doesn't, which is he just hits it with power. And I just <laughs> he does look like he wants to hit everything, yeah, just, right? Just which like, is just quite put, nice. Put your foot through it, and yeah. he, I think he does that uh, in a way that Bamford doesn't. And if you look at other successful finishes in this league in previous seasons, you know, Billy Sharp's, um, your Tammy Abraham's, being able to just 
um, smack it is, is, <laughs> is a skill and get yourself in a position to just bury it. And, it's yeah. almost like he's coming to the club and they've been like, the reason we brought you in is to be a good finisher. So he's like, right, I'm just going to try everything here. I've, just, I've got to score, basically. He's but. taken pressing forward completely to heart. But we, we talked about this a little bit with David last week as well, the, the fact that Brentford take into account um, a player's um, ability to strike a ball cleanly but also their willingness to take it early and we don't have many of those sorts of players in the club so it's nice to have someone who looks as though they are goal hungry in that in that regard um, and hopefully uh, tomorrow it will come off and, and he'll get a chance to actually score yeah let's hope so and a smacker it's like those old school footballers I mean, Mark Hughes was a really good volleyer of a ball you well, Tony Yaboa really have... mate Tony Yaboa yeah. oh Tony Yaboa that's the better oh, example there sorry yeah. I've named the wrong player there haven't I you've right okay. gone, gone wild <laughs> <laughs> but players with those certain characteristics don't really exist as much in today's game Daniel I want to come to you with the news of course that Adam Forshaw is now going to be ruled out until the end of the season uh, surgery was obviously trying to be avoided because they knew that that would end his season. He's now going to go out to Colorado, I think it is, to have the surgery. But a big miss? Huge, yeah. I think it's really big. Um, I think when Phillips was missing, you could tell that there was no one to really step in and <clears throat> excuse me, and replace him directly. Um, and so what happened was we shift the team around. Ben White goes into midfield. Ailing goes to centre-back. And then we've got Alioski and Dallas as the mm. the the wing backs and everyone has to move because one one very important piece is is missing if Forshaw's in he just slots in and and we play in exactly the same way and I think we have a bit more success in the in the three games that that Phillips was missing um so yeah it's huge yeah Forshaw gents I'm I mean I'm very sad because Forshaw is my favorite player and I pretty sure he's the best player on the, in our squad at the moment but most Leeds fans wouldn't agree with that so I'm devastated yeah I've been crying all all week. Oh, okay. Well, on that note, we'll uh, we'll move quickly on on this the Leeds United fan show. Next up, uh, John and I earlier on today spoke to Dave Featherston, big Bristol City fan. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Love Sport Radio, the station giving fans a voice. Yep, it's the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? Nat Dufton and Daniel Moroni join us in the studio too. Just to remind you of the news that Manchester City have been banned from European club competition for the next two seasons. They've been found to have committed serious breaches of UEFA's club licensing and financial fair play regulations. Huge implications for the Premier League. That one certainly has. And two teams looking to get into the Premier League at the end of this season are Leeds, of course, and Bristol City, who travel to Ellen Road this Saturday. A repeat of the opening day fixture where Leeds went to Ashton Gate and thumped the Robins 3-1. Now, contrasting fortunes for both teams since then. After those seven successive wins for Leeds, it is two wins in 11. Bristol City, conversely, had managed just one win in six around a month ago. They've now won four in five. Fortune certainly turning upwards for Lee Johnson's men. They are three points adrift of Leeds, despite being in seventh place in the championship. That is just how close it is right now. Earlier on, John and I caught up with Dave Featherston, 
big Bristol City fan about the game and how he thought it was going to go. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a tough game. Um, Leeds is not a happy hunting ground for us. Um, so I think it's going to be a tough one. Although, saying that, our away form is better than our home form. So that kind of gives us all a bit, a bit of hope as we, as, we, as we travel north for the weekend. Yeah, you're bang on. Not a great hunting ground, like you said. Lost seven of your last eight away games at Leeds in all competitions. Not since 1979 have you last won there. No, it's a long time. It's a long time. I think, you know, some of our fans still, uh, have to go back to, I think it's 1974. It's a bit before my time uh, for when, when we beat you in the NBA Cup. Uh, but, yeah, that's 40-odd uh, you know, years ago. Uh, although 1979 was probably about the first time that I, I saw Leeds at home at Ashton Gate. Uh, so, yeah, I've been, been supporting them for quite a time. Just a few, just a question about your form. You sound you sound a little bit um, a little bit hesitant about coming up to Leeds, but Bristol have had a great run of form recently. Are you feeling positive about the team at the moment? Um, I, I think so. I think we, you know we've we've had a lot of injuries at the start of the season. I know everyone makes that that excuse, but we, but we did, and we lost a phobie when we were in good form as well, which didn't help. And then over a kind of you know the early uh, kind of autumn and, and, and winter, we, we kind of changed formation from kind of predominantly being a back to a back four and I think it's taken a bit of time to, to settle into that and even in, in the last few weeks a bit more of a going back to perhaps being a bit more resolute and playing a little bit more on the counter attack certainly away from home and that's kind of you know served us quite well and I think that's probably the reason we you know those signs travelling if we can keep it tight we, you know we're capable of scoring on the break goals haven't really been a problem for us all season, but keeping them out of the other end to be exposed, and, and that's probably the danger going to a, going to a side like Leeds, who if they do pen us back, we'll struggle to get out. Um, so that's the, the bit of the worry, and that's why I'm a bit hesitant. So you've got two new signings from uh, January in the January transfer window: uh, Naki Wells, Philip Benkovic, both of them scoring at the, the midweek. You happy with those two players? Yeah, absolutely delighted. I, I think you know we knew we were going to lose Brownhill. Um, so, kind of priority one has always been this proven goal scorer, and I think in Naki Wells we've, we've got that. I think he's a player that a number of us have, have liked for a long time, um, and to finally kind of get him um, is, is a real big boost. Uh, I think he's proven that in making his, his kind of full debut on Wednesday against Derby, just gave us that something different, that sharpness in the 18-yard box that, that we've been so mm-hmm. after since we lost a phobie to, to injury early on the season. Uh, Benkovic. Probably don't know an awful lot about him, uh, apart from the, you know, the obvious YouTube clips you, you look at when, when someone signs. But he looks a, a big, strong boy. Had a bit of a hesitant um, debut last week against Birmingham. Um, but even in that kind of 25 minutes that he played, he looked a real threat in the opposition box and kind of proved that um, on Wednesday night against Derby, popping up uh, to, to head home from a corner. And he also had a, a header kind of over the bar about five minutes before that as well. So he looks a, he looks a, a useful player in, in both boxes. But I think for me that you know with Brownhill going, that the real key was to to get someone in midfield, mm-hmm. and we've had some you know nice ball playing midfielders, um, you know nippy kind of midfielders, but we've we've missed that kind of strong man in in the middle of the park, and we and we got Henriksen from mm-hmm. from Hull on loan as well, and I think he might end up being a really key signing for us. Looks like he can do a bit of everything as well. So I think in you know previous parts of his career he's played kind of a more advanced midfield and of late, you know, when he has played at Hull, he's played more defensive, but he was kind of breaking through through the thirds on, on Wednesday night and showing that he's got a good all-round game, even though he's not, not played since November, so not match fit yet. So, yeah, really encouraged by that. I think we went into the window thinking we're in the mix, and for me, we've come out of the window looking stronger, so I think that's a real mm-hmm. bonus for us. Um, one of the things that we cover a lot in this channel is is, is the underlying statistics. And um, mm. if you look at, I, I know we were just talking before we came on air actually that um, about about whether or not fans care about the underlying statistics. If you're just there and thereabouts in the playoff places, um, who cares if you're if you're overperforming your statistics? But um, if you look at an XG table, Bristol City and most uh, models are bang bang bottom of the table. Do you think that's do you, is that the sort of thing you worry about going into into a playoff? Uh, promotion push basically at the end of the season obviously you've got to this point and it's been fine but do you do you maybe worry that that there are underlying problems that that might come to the fore 
I, I think there there are and, and there aren't. I think it's, it's a bit of a kind of double-edged sword for us. I think we've, we've changed a little bit the way we play. Mm. If we, I know we have conceded quite a lot of goals, but in a lot of games, we don't concede many really good chances. Mm-hmm. So we 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 kind of restrict teams to quite a bit of long-range chances, which we tend to get blocks in. We also are quite happy to let teams cross from from the touch lines. So once again, we you know we normally quite quite good aerially in, in defence as well. So we don't give up many easy chances in the box, and I think that's been helpful at that end of the pitch. The way we kind of play with the ball, we're kind of a bit counter attack in transition, mm-hmm. and I think as a result we we tend to kind of create good chances when we do create them. So I think you know in terms of our conversion rates, I think our conversion rates are pretty pretty decent, mm-hmm. and that's really why we're up there. I think kind of we go back to the conversation about home form not being as good I don't think that's because teams have stuck four two banks of four behind the ball and you know and frustrated us I just don't think we've played with a lot of pattern at home Um, Mm. and when when teams have come at us and Derby kind of got forward in in numbers on Wednesday night we were able to kind of get the ball win it you know relatively high at the pitch and then and then you know Mm make them pay. We had a couple of really good opportunities in, in the last minutes to, to kind of ex- extend the victory. But yeah, I think I think the XG is important. I think it shows what type of chances, but I think there's also a bit of context to it in terms mm-hmm. of where those chances are coming from. So a bit worried, but also not overly concerned if we keep pushing teams wide and deep with their chances. Dave, it's normally John's job to jump in with the stats, but I'm going to throw one at you too because I'd like to hear your opinion on the goalkeeper, Dan Bentley. Of course, he came in from Brentford in the summer. He's received his plaudits, plaudits and he's received some critics this season too. Just from looking at the table and the stats themselves, in terms of goals against, it looks like Bristol City have conceded more than any other team in the top 13. So going all the way down to Derby. Now, is that a reflection on Bentley? Is that a reflection on the way the Bristol City play? Is it a reflection on the defence as a whole? And are Bristol City fans happy with Dan Bentley's performance so far this season? Um, It's a a mixed one, really. Um, I think he was bought specifically because, you know, he's a well-respected keeper at this level. He's, you know, young for a goalkeeper, so he was a good sign and think a bit out of favour Brentford, so I think it was a good positive signing to get him for the kind of money we did. Um, defensively, I think part of the problem is is we've struggled to have a settled central defence all season. Um, we've had Callas out, who was a, an absolute rock last season with Webster, um, and we've flitted between Baker through injuries as well. He's probably actually having his, his best little spell alongside Williams. We've had young Taylor Moore, who played the first game of the season against you and got bullied by Bamford. Um, but has come back quite strong up until Christmas and now gone out on loan. So I think not having a settled defence in front of him hasn't helped. When he's been called upon to make saves, he's generally done done pretty well. And I think, you know, he's certainly one-on-ones, he's been really good. And I think, you know, the fans have really taken to him as well. Um, we had Nicky Mindpah last season. If, if there's one thing I'd say Mindpah probably edges him on is kind of command of that six-yard box. I think that's where we've been a little bit fallible. Although we've got some big defenders, we've not always looked that solid from crosses, from certainly from the kind of set piece areas rather than from from open play. He, I'd, I'd rather he come out and you know, cleared people out and punched it, um, but he tends to stay a little bit on his goal line, and, and therefore kind of we invite a little bit of pressure through that. So definitely a, a, a positive, um, but probably that that. One final thing about you know command of his area is probably the one thing I'd perhaps be a little bit critical of, but you know certainly overall he's been a, been an asset this season. Your manager Johnson, he's a bit of a persona non grata in Leeds. So he's been in the media again this week saying that he would love to have Leeds in the playoff final. Um, how do you feel about how do you feel about the fact that he's quite an abrasive character in terms of his media presence? Is that is that a problem for the club? Is that something that, that, that a lot of the fans want to see less of, or is it something that actually the club uses as a way of uh, of sort of motivating itself? I think he divides opinion uh, <laughs> um, from from both both our fans and, and opposition fans as as well. Um, I, I think he's really really open, and I think he loves to talk. And in some some ways, he probably says too much at sometimes and, and perhaps you know perhaps needs to just have a little think before he says some of the things that he come, comes out with don't, but, we, don't we all <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, I, 
think you know he is doing a a, a decent job. It, you know, we're sat there in, in seventh, just just outside the playoffs. You know, on goal difference, and and yet you know, there's a group of fans who'd probably like to see him out of a job, and and that kind of just seems ridiculous, really, in in you know in the position we're in. Um, but I think some of that is is kind of personality, and I think you know deep down he's a he's a great guy. He's got Bristol City at heart. You know, he, he was here as a player under under his father, and I think that might be some of the reasons why some some fans haven't taken to him. But he genuinely has got Bristol City at heart. He's desperate to do well, and he's desperate to try and get us into the into the Premier League. Um, and I think most fans who probably go to Bristol City and, and watch games probably feel positive about him. But there are extremes out there who are normally quite vocal on social media that you know perhaps get more airtime than than and probably amplifies what their feelings are about him. But no, he's doing a good job, and I think he's been given the tools in this transfer window to go and you know, attack that playoff, those playoff places. And hopefully we'll get there. Well, never mind the playoffs, days. I've got to say, when you look at the results, of course, this week, another bonkers week in yeah. the Championship. Both yourselves and Preston, 6th and 7th, just three points off automatic promotion places, just three points off Leeds United. You've got a set of five games now. Now, I know from now until the end of the season, every game is massive. But when you look at those next five games... Leeds to begin with, of course, tomorrow. Then it's West Brom, top of the table, West Brom. And at the end of that five-game stretch, it's Fulham. So some big games coming up for Bristol City. Massive games that ultimately you need to win if you're going to remain in that playoff slash automatic promotion push. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think so. I think you know nothing's going to be more truer than you know the six-point game over that you know this coming you know month that we've got ahead of us. And I think. Because we're kind of the team attacking it from the bottom, I think there's an element that says, you know, let, let's not lose those games. But I don't think that's the way we can play. I know we can sop up a bit, a bit of pressure, but we've still got to, got to go and attack as well. We're not a team who can just sit there for 90 minutes and defend and try and come away with a nil-nil. Um, that, that's, that's not the way that, that's going to, you know, get us the results we need. And actually, I think because you know we're we're the kind of team that are likely to slip up against, you know, a lower place team. Um, which is, you know, probably true of most teams in the championship. You need to pick up the points where you where you can get them, and uh, so I think you know we we've got to try and go and win some of these games, and that might also give us a bit of a breathing space on some of the games where we don't perform. Okay, so I'm going to push you, Dave. Lee Johnson, you know. John mentioned him there. He's only lost more games against Preston and Wolves apart from Leeds. So like you said, his record, well, Bristol City's record against Leeds isn't great. Lee Johnson's record against Leeds isn't particularly great. Big game coming up tomorrow, 3pm at Ellen Road. What is your prediction? Um, I think it's going to be a 2-2 draw. Oh. I think we are going to get something tomorrow. I think there's a bit of confidence going around the squad. And I think a few of them do sense that this is the opportunity to kick on. And probably, if ever there was a time to play Leeds, it's probably now in, in in their current form. Although I did watch the game against Brentford the other night and I thought, one all certainly flattered Brentford. I thought Leeds were Leeds were pretty good and uh, got a way of playing. And uh, and hopefully Johnson's got something up his sleeve tomorrow that uh, will mean that we can go there and uh, take you on and, and give you a good old game. Take you on and give you a good old game, said Dave Featherston there of Bristol City. Big Bristol City fan. He's predicting 2-2. We're going to find out what the Leeds United boys are predicting for their game with Bristol City. Plus, we've got your listeners' questions next. Giving your team a voice. Love Sport Radio. It is the Leeds United fan show here on Love Sport. Me, Matt Beadle, with John McKenzie from All Stats, aren't we? Nat Dufton and Daniel Maroney in the studio too. We've got about 10 minutes to go, fellas. Slightly less, so we're going to rattle through these listeners' questions and then get your predictions for the game with Bristol City this weekend. First up on the listeners' questions, John, it is Billy Reid, and he has asked, if you could choose one player from another championship club to play for Leeds, who would it be? Not... John, not just the best player in the league, but a player who's perfectly who would perfectly solve a tactical problem we have right now. I think is what Billy Reed is asking. Well, it sounds like Billy Reed to me. Um, <laughs> I think we we talked about this before we came on air, and we decided that uh, obviously a goalkeeper is 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 
a position that could be improved upon. But I'm, I'm not too bothered with having Meslier in. Um, and then obviously people will want Patrick Bamford replaced, but we've got JK in, so that's not too bad. So I think I think we can, can consensus was that we needed a midfielder. Mm-hmm. So the question was question is which central midfielder we did take. Um, we've talked about Conor Gallagher, but he I, mean, I think he could probably do a job as an eight, but he's a bit probably a bit more advanced. I suggested. Um, What's who did I suggest? Um, you're from um, Reading, yeah. Reading, yeah. So okay. someone who's going to be a decent eight ball carrier, um, also de- defensively decent. You wanted Romain Sawyers. Mm. Uh, I just think he's. I think stats will probably back us up. You can tell me. Obviously, it's West Brom stats, but um, he's just a great passer of the ball, great controller. I think he tick he ticks over what makes that West Brom midfield mm. very creative passer. So I think he'd fit perfectly in that mold. Daniel, yeah, I'd have a Jaria actually. Yeah, I think he's got a bit of unpredictability about him from what I've seen two votes for Ajaria a decent eight ball character so likes his pool does he yeah <laughs> moving on that's what I said <laughs> that was good that was quick yeah thank you uh, Emilio Sanjueza has said I saw the Argentina Brazil match from 1999 posted on YouTube by the lead supporter Juani Jimena and that reminded me Nat when will we see the 3-3-1-3 again well, I think we technically see it in transition during games. So it's not a case of us not playing it. It's a case of it's situational. And with the fact that we've been playing... Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, just three. Uh, I'm beaming with pride. John's just so happy. It's some of them, man. I just, just completely knocked me off. Um, with the fact that we've been playing with sort of out of sorts players, like Ailing having to play centre-half recently, um, it has affected that slightly because you lose that kind of attacking fullback. But the the way that we play it with Phillips dropping in to, from defensive mid into that... Um, three when we attack and then we charge on the fullbacks and then the wingers cut in. Uh, none of you can see me moving my hands as I do all this. Um, so yeah, I think we do play it quite a lot. Um, and I think if you watch us play in transition, we do it. I, I assume every time we attack, quite quite regularly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when when we say the three three one three, I guess that we're talking there more about like the defensive formation. So obviously Leeds play four four one four one, and then as you say, the the, the formation changes when we're going forward. But the three three one three means that we would have um, that formation as a as a defensive lineup. So it's basically a back three. Um, we actually had we actually saw it a lot in the Jan was it no November November when we we won all of our games that month and I think we had four out of five games where we played 3-3-1-3 three, three, three. Uh, and, and as a result of that I'm, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen it more but that, again we're only going to play 3-3-1-3 three, three, three when we're play, playing against a team that plays two strikers so we may see it tomorrow because Bristol City have been playing two strikers Okay, Daniel, moving on to you. This one is from Gabriel Dujiak. Sorry, Gabriel, if I haven't quite got that surname Those correct. Are tricky names, I hope aren't I have. You here? Yeah. Yeah. I know, I'll tell you what. I thought you nailed the names. ones in the last one. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, can you compare Pablo 1920 to Pablo 1819 or the team with Pablo on the right against Pablo on the middle? I can't do it statistically. Um, <laughs> I'm not the person to ask that. But um, I personally prefer him in the middle. I don't know if that tallies with his kind of outputs for being on the right versus the middle I just think he's he's kind of better through the middle we get a bit more con- control going through the middle and then we've got Harrison and Costa out wide who are a bit more natural in the wings although there's the argument we lose he him cutting inside is kind of more of an inside forward mm. kind of driving into the box whereas you know with wingers you don't out and out wingers you don't get that so I, I'm not sure but um yeah, I prefer him in the middle, but I don't know if I, anything. I actually prefer him on the right. I don't know yeah. about you, Matt. Um, I, I think the older he's got and the slightly slower, you can see he's getting a bit leggy these days. Um, I think middle, like you're saying, suits him. But yeah, when we go back to him last season and the season before when he played on the right, that I, I love that when he played that. It was fantastic. He's a little bit more defensively solid, I think, than, than playing Costa there. Mm. And so I think part of the reason why we've lost control a little bit after, partly to do with Forshaw, but also partly to do with the fact that we've started playing two out-and-out wingers has been because we don't get quite as much defensive coverage in that area. His, ben, def- his yeah. defending is really good. Uh, the, the the slide tackles he does where he just... He just <laughs> They're he, awful. He goes, I, know, I love them. He goes full he always body. Misses and, and he just And he just nicks it away with the end of his boot. He's brilliant. trying to cover ground with sliding, isn't he? Yeah. He's trying to go block a zone. I made an effort to defend. <laughs> the see? Sol Campbell where he just slides out of view. Of the, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, nice. Moving on. Joe Hill has asked, how many wins do you think we need to take us up? Two points per game was always the benchmark, but now the league is so compact. Could nine to ten wins from the last 14 games do? Ten, yeah. Ten, I think we're up. Yeah. Uh, Ten, and we were chatting about this before we came on air. I think we're saying ten 
and two draws, which allows for two defeats, uh, and we're in a really good position. Yeah, it feels a lot tighter this year, but I reckon if we get the same amount of points we got last year, which I think is about 84, 83 points, something, we'd, yeah. we'd actually do second this year. This, I mean, this also accounts for a drastic turnaround in form, then, if we're taking 10 wins from the last 14 games. Well, we draw the, we lose the next two. Draw the two after that and then just win the rest to the, <laughs> to the final post. You heard it here first. Okay, nice. Breaking news here on the Leeds United Fan Show. One more because I like the name of this quizzer is Brolin Ate the Pie. <laughs> Brilliant. If Forshaw had been fit for the season, gents, would Costa ever have been more than the Hernandez understudy? Oh, that's a good question, actually. I, I don't know. Um, I suspect not because he's our most expensive player in this squad. Um, I... It is a, it's a question that we've kind of always wondered, given that what we said in the last answer, or the answer before about Pablo, that actually Pablo works quite well as, a, as, a, as an option um, on, the, on the right. Um, I don't know. I, I suspect that we would have always had... We, I think we probably would have had a bit more rotation. Maybe Pablo wouldn't have played as much, or Pablo would have come in as a, on, into a 10 or sat on the bench and then come into whatever position was deemed most dangerous for that game, but... And I don't know. Harrison might have played a bit less as well. Maybe he mm. might have come in for Harrison, and I, I don't know. I've heard some things this week in kind of the argument that Costa should be on the left and Harrison on the right, or they should rotate a bit more because we haven't really seen that this season. But yeah, it's a, interesting. Okay, well, gents, before you go, Bristol City up at the weekend. We heard from Dave Featherstone. He thinks it's going to be a two-two draw. Big Bristol City fan. Great record against Bristol Bristol City in recent seasons. Lee Johnson not with a very good record against Leeds. I'm going to go round the houses as I always do. Daniel Maroney, what say you? Well, my last prediction was three-one, <laughs> three-one win against Wigan. So I'm not sure I'm in any <laughs> place to. But I'd go for two-nil. Two-nil to Leeds. Two-nil home win based on nothing but blind faith. Okay, a process trusting victory. Nice, Nat. We were chatting off air, and we've realised. So I've been. This is my fourth time on the show. Um, we have not won a game. Af- the game after I've been on the show, uh, we had the three-all draw against Cardiff, where I said we would capitulate. Uh, we had the uh, loss against Fulham, where I said we'd lose. We had the loss against QPR, where I said we'd lose. The QPR one. I so what is, I'm going to say we're going to win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to win three-nil. Yeah. Nice turning around, John McKenzie. I think that we're going to win. 2-1 two, 2-1 one. Two, one to Leeds yes. nice so wins all round here gents love to hear it this has been the Leeds United <laughs> fan show on Lost Sport thank you very much for coming in as per gentlemen we'll be back next week 8pm Leeds United fan show with all the reaction to that victory three times over against Bristol City see you then thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio for more go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts news and views or for more follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.